Welcome to the Birthful Podcast. I'm Adriana Lozada, and today we're going to be talking about sex after having a baby. When can you get back to it? Will it hurt? How is your body different? What if you don't want to? What if your partner doesn't want to? Will you ever feel sexy again? Fortunately, Kate Dimple is here to help us understand this new normal. Stay tuned. This episode of Birthful is brought to you by the first eight days of being a mom, a day-by-day manual on taking care of the new mom as well as her newborn. Get a 10% discount by going to thefirst8days.com slash birthful. That's with the number eight, thefirst8days.com slash birthful. The Birthful Podcast, talking to maternity pros to inform your intuition. Hello, mamas and mamas-to-be. I want to thank you once again for all the love you're giving the show and ask you to please, 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 please go to iTunes and leave a review. Like That would be so helpful in getting this in front of, in front of more and more and more mamas. So please leave a review. I will be forever grateful. All right. Today I'm talking with Kate Dimple, who is the owner of Holistic Childbirth and co-founder of the Center of Perinatal Education and Support in Ithaca, New York. Kate is a childbirth educator, doula, and a perinatal counselor who focuses on normalizing all women's experiences of pregnancy and birth while they prepare for life's transitions that are often complex, private, or need more personal attention. Kate works hard to demystify birth as a way to encourage women to be empowered and engage consumers in their care. In addition to her business, she also co-founded the Ithaca Childbearing Loss Network and is a founding member of the Ithaca Doula Collective. She's also a frequent speaker at Cornell University and a TEDx presenter. Kate, welcome. Thank you. So Great happy. to be here. Yay, so happy that you're here. And we're both on like the same area of the country. So we were happy about the weather that we're finally having some nicer weather. Yes, indeed, indeed. So this is this is a interesting topic because it's like what's in the back of everybody's mind at some point or another, um, sex after baby. And generally we hear that it's best to wait four to six weeks before having said sex after giving birth. Why is that? Well, uh, one, the main reason I would say is recovery. You know, there's a lot of transitions that your body's going through after a baby is born and with a vaginal delivery, Um, where the placenta leaves the body, it leaves a lot of open blood vessels. And so that needs to heal and you're just more susceptible to infection when the cervix is still open and you're still having that postpartum bleeding. And also if you've had perineal sutures or you've had stitches or episiotomy or even cesarean section, there's just time that the body needs to heal and recover from the delivery. However, you know, some people this takes a little bit longer, some people shorter. Um, You certainly, I would say vaginal uh, penetration is probably not advised until at least you're done bleeding and your sutures are healed. But certainly um, masturbation or oral sex, as long as you avoid the vaginal opening of the perineum while it's still healing, is totally okay to engage in if you feel up for it. Okay. And people's mom's libido libidos 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 yeah. are fluctuate some want to 
get into it before those four weeks, some after. Yeah. I would say this is more than just the physical healing is just the desire or feeling able to make space in your life for sex after the baby comes. You know that that a mom's experience, um, particularly if you're breastfeeding, is that you have a lot of baby in arms for a number of months after the baby's born. You know, so it can be really physically intensive to have a baby on you all of the time. And um, if you're feeding through the night exclusively kind of without your partner's support, um, fatigue, I think, is more of a hurdle than necessarily the sutures. Do you know? It's just like, I just don't feel up for it. And there's a real hormonal reason for that as well, is that when particularly when you're breastfeeding, you have two main hormones that are helping you with breastfeeding. One is oxytocin, which is that bonding hormone. It's the ejection hormone. It ejects ejects fluids and sex, it ejects a baby in birth, but then it also ejects breast milk and breastfeeding. And then there's the prolactin, which is the milk producer. And the prolactin um, really helps you focus in on your baby, as does the oxytocin. It kind of puts you on baby time, which connects you really well with the baby. It's kind of doing its work, but it makes you not as focused on that partner connection. Do you know? So, and it can take a couple extra steps to get to like the on the mindset to be like, right, I do want to have sex or I feel like I have the time to do that or the body um, space to engage in, in sexual intercourse. So that can be a challenge as well. Mm-hmm. So to get the into other- that, oh, sorry, to get into that mind space, would you yeah. say, what are some suggestions, even like maybe yeah. scheduling it? Well, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, some, you know, it, you can, it's like scheduling your baby. You're really not going to happen. You know? So um, I would say more than just scheduling it is, is thinking about um, what is it you need in the systems of your house to be able to get into that space of, right, I can just let go of the mess or the fact that I haven't had a shower today or the breast milk on my shirt or whatever it is that's kind of put yourself in a hurdle. You know, when I teach birth class, we talk about um, process, how people process pain and stress in their bodies kind of a couple of different ways. And, and one is this visual, they become a, a visual coper or, a, or um, a kinesthetic coper kind of through the body or an auditory coper. And I really find that this is true even in the postpartum period is that when there's visual stress, and um, and kinesthetic stress that you're going to be touched all of the time, as well as the auditory stress of baby crying, it kind of you've kind of maxed out the ways in which a person can process or cope with the amount of stimulation that's going on. And so one of the things we talk about in class is eliminating those sources of stimulation. So you're going to have, for example, you have a baby on your body. So really examining the ways in which you are being stressed out in your life, do you know? And what's what's causing that additional stress that makes you not want to connect and, and be intimate with your partner? And so is it is it visually kind of less stressful in your environment? You know, are the dishes done? Or has the dog been walked? Have you picked up the toys? And ha- having moms have that support so it doesn't feel like additional work for her before she can really let go and be intimate with her partner. Or just trying to say, I'll deal with that later and prioritize the partner first. You know, there's so many different ways to address it. It really kind of depends on what your stress level triggers are in your own postpartum experience that are preventing you from really allowing yourself to engage with your partner. 
And does even talking about, like trying to examine what those stressors might be, would that be helpful? For sure. And I think what's interesting about, I mean, I'm sure that you experienced this as well, just talking about birth. And there's so much mythology around um, childbirth and women's bodies and sexuality that is just um, misunderstood. Do you know? And there are really easy ways to examine, you know, what happens, I think, for the most part in the postpartum period is that mom all of a sudden becomes overtouched with this new baby because they're still very much connected in the newborn period. And then the partner all of a sudden becomes undertouched, do you know? And if you're breastfeeding, the, the work primarily goes towards the birthing mother and rather than the partner. And so, um, really having a conversation before your baby even comes of like, what will that be like for us? And how will we create moments of intimacy? Or what are your intimate needs going to be as we become um, parents? Or how will that change? And having that discussion of how to deal with those things, even if those things don't become your your tools of how you deal with it, but just bringing it out on the table that there may be a time of change in terms of how sex and intimacy happens in your house while you get used to having a new and being in a new role as a new parent. Mm-hmm. And this is really interesting because I hadn't considered the the aspect of the of being overtouched, like. I I thought about it from a hormonal point of view and more from a physical like body changes point of view. But yeah, you're you're that skin to skin is what we are constantly recommending new moms and they're carrying babies. So overtouched. Hmm. Yeah, they have they have intimacy. Do you know what I mean? Like in some ways, the baby fulfills a huge part of their intimate connection in and in life and those bonding between loved ones. And so the, the, the new mom ends up getting a lot of that and sometimes a little bit too much of that, do you know, and as she's as, as you're caring for the newborn. And that's really what your newborn is looking for. You know, some of the, the best new mothering you can do is just kind of sit underneath the baby on the sofa, do you know. And so um, it, it really is. And also I think it, when it comes into if you're breastfeeding, when you're thinking about sexual activity, you might have had a lot of breast play in your in pre-lactating sex lives, do you know? And then all of a sudden, because you're having oxytocin releases during sex, you're starting to leak in during sex because you have another oxytocin release or your breasts are really sensitive or you have nipple soreness. And so that becomes a way in which your body is not kind of on the same playing field that it used to be. And that's a perfect segue because I was going to ask you about, you know, let's talk about breasts, nursing breasts, which can feel sore, heavy, sensitive. So we know that's how they're feeling and the prolactin is is flowing and oxytocin is creating this ejecting um, reflex. What are some tips on how to make this new reality work during sex? I think that in so, in some ways it's just like breasts are off limits right now. Do you know? And that may just be the boundary that a woman has. I mean, I think um, a, a sense of humor about your bodies is really helpful in the postpartum period. You know, and just knowing that that's really likely, it's normal to lactate during during sex. Um, and you know, you can certainly incorporate it into your sexual play if that feels like a good boundary for you. You know, but it really, I think it comes down to the individual. I think breast tenderness is not uncommon 
in women's lives with their bodies. A lot of women have breast tenderness during their cycle at some point. And so I think that in a lot of couples, breast being on the plate or breast being off the plate in terms of sexual play is a pretty common conversation already. Mm-hmm. And maybe even wear, having to wear a bra with pads while you're sure. doing it just to make it a little more comfortable and more supported. Yeah, or even to to disconnect this idea of a mommy role versus a partner role, a sexual partner role, you know, and really pull away from this idea of lactating breasts and sort of incorporating the idea of having them be more sexual again. Mm-hmm. You know? And that's a huge thing, I, I believe, because you get into this role of, I'm a mom, moms aren't, you know, sexy. Moms aren't sexy. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, for sure. I had a really great um, teacher when I was in New York City. She was a, she did a postpartum class, and she's like, I think that there's ways that breasts can be both maternal and sexual. You know, and it really, I mean, a lot of this, a lot of birth preparation, a lot of new parenting preparation, a lot of um, sex postpartum is really the perspective in which you choose to look at this, this issue. Do you know? And so making room for those, for both to be true it's certainly going to be easier than having an absolute about your body in any way. Because mm-hmm. the body's always changing, and how you feel about it always changes. And so giving yourself a lot of different options to a, or solutions to a situation is going to make it a lot easier to, to weather those transitions. Yeah, and allowing you to be both, to, to your sense of self become that For inclusive. Sure. Yeah. Very cool. Sure. So now let's talk vaginas. We talk breasts. Let's talk vaginas. <laughs> What changes can mom expect? Or should they expect a change in, say, the topography? Yeah. I mean, immediately postpartum, I think some of the, particularly after a vaginal delivery or if you've had a cesarean but also did a lot of pushing before you get to the cesarean, um, there's a lot of swelling and tenderness. There may be hemorrhoids. You may feel some pelvic pain or pubic bone pain from the delivery. All of that's pretty normal. Um, I think it can be a little bit alarming to touch your labia within the first 48 hours after the delivery because of the swelling. And so just being aware that it may be swollen, you know, is is a good thing to have an idea about. And as that swelling goes down, as it does, um, there's a little bit, the topography does change, particularly if you've had um, sutures, you know, that you may feel a ridge from where, depending on where the sutures are as well, you may feel a ridge of scar tissue. Um, it may just kind of lay, the labia may just kind of lay a little bit differently in your body, and that's pretty typical. Um I think I always encourage women to spend some time getting to know their bodies again, be, even before introducing their bodies to other people, yeah. do you know, and just learning what's what's new for you in terms of how your vagina feels or how it responds. I've had a lot of women say, you know, we always say like, oh, sex after, we always think that sex after a baby is going to be worse in some ways and um, or that we're going to be damaged in some ways. And I've had a number of women say to me that they've never been able to orgasm just through vaginal stimulation until they had kids, you know, and so um, it can also have positive changes in terms of how your body responds hormonally or from to touch in in intercourse. Right. And just to know that both things are normal and within that big range of who's your new you. Yeah. Who's your new you? Exactly. Exactly. I think the one thing to to, to consider, you know, when you're talking about topography, you're also thinking about pain. Like, will it be painful to have sex after a baby? And, um, you know, when we talk about those hormones, your lactating hormones 
are drying out the rest of your mucous membranes. And so women are really thirsty, for example, after they have a baby or maybe their eyes are dry and they can't wear contacts as easily any longer. And the same is true for your vagina. And so you can have more vaginal dryness and needing a little bit more lube to make it feel more comfortable. You may need more foreplay than you did before to kind of stretch and ease those tissues um, for penetration. Um, you can even, and people are often surprised that there can be pain after a cesarean section as well. They assume like, well, if you've skipped the vagina for birth, then it won't be uncomfortable for sex, which is not always true that sometimes um, the there's more pain in the deeper abdomen, you know, where the incision site was in terms of for, for deeper penetration. And so pain is pretty, is normal. Pain that lasts kind of longer than three months becomes a reason to talk to a physical therapist about how to recover um, or rehabilitate your perineal tissues or your pelvic floor um, to have more comfort during intercourse. Would that rehabilitation include something like Kegels or what would, what are the options, I guess? Yeah. Um, well, if it's pain at the vaginal opening, you know, in terms of pen penetration pain, um, certainly Kegels would be helpful, but also um, doing some squatting to support not just the, the you know, support all the muscles that are supporting the pelvic bowl, uh -huh. but then also doing a perineal massage. We talk about perineal massage in pregnancy to prevent tearing during delivery, but perineal massage is really great for postpartum to just loosen up some of those adhesions from scar tissue and to stretch and get used to that sensation of penetration again. So taking a really great, like a coconut oil or a, a lube to, and just um, pushing into the perineum with your thumbs and, and stretching out and giving yourself kind of a, a, a perineal massage can be a really great, to, great way to help with that pain and discomfort and penetration. And that should always be done to like her comfort. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Everything with consent, of right. course. Right, yeah. of course, of course. And so when you said if if this pain continues past three months, then look for help from yeah, a, look, a, thera a physical therapist or um, I guess a physical therapist, yeah. Yeah, you know, sometimes that what's interesting is that I, I, and unfortunately in our maternity care, there's not a lot of doctors that look at pain and sex as being something that needs to be focused on. Do you know that we we assume that there's pain and sex in some, it's you know, to some degree? Do you know and and or or that it's part of the normal dialogue that we have about sexual experience? You know that it can be uncomfortable after you have a baby, and there's a lot of. Um, even in pregnancies, like, oh, you're pregnant. You're, like, of course you're in pain, you're pregnant. And I feel like there's a lot of solutions that are out there that are just are probably not in the traditional medical model. You know, looking at um, mind abdominal massage or looking at someone who will do a perineal massage with you who's trained in that and do a pelvic bowl massage or a physical therapist or an, even an acupuncturist to help with releasing scar tissue and and dealing with the pain at the at the site where the pain is you know and I don't know how much support you would get from the the traditional kind of OB model it's more of those things to look for in a complementary care provider mm -hmm. oh and I love all those options I hadn't even considered an acupuncturist or a Mayan abdominal massage for to improve that um, sort yeah. of getting you know your body rebound um yeah. in in the perineum that's awesome 
I know the other I mean the other thing about complementary care is this idea of connecting back to the body as your body do you know like in I love massage and Reiki and um, my abdominal massage in particular for this is that we often you know if there's been a challenging birth or you're having a hard time kind of connecting into this new body that you have or your postpartum body um, it can be a really great thing to challenge yourself to go to some self-care and really be on the receiving end of care in the body as it is and be receptive and open and accepting of the care that it's being given as a way to kind of heal the disconnect that a mom may feel in her new body. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned during sex itself um, that sometimes mm-hmm. the deeper penetration can be a trigger or something that's more uncomfortable. Are there any positions that can alleviate yeah. that discomfort? Yeah, a more uh, having a woman be on top is more comfortable, tends to be more comfortable. They have more control about how deep the penetration can be when she's on top. Or a sideline would also be a really great position. Um, I would avoid um, things like doggy style because it tends to be a, a deeper penetration in that way. So, um, But really kind of playing around with different positions tends to be more having her be able to control the depth of the penetration is going to be an easier position for her, whatever that may be. Mm -hmm. Now, what, and this is, I guess, we've sort of touched upon this throughout, but Mm -hmm. what if the new moms are just not feeling sexy? Yeah, Yeah. which I think is, you know, as we talked about earlier, is like more than just the physical healing is that, Um, feeling sexy, you know, and really feeling receptive to having um, intercourse, I think is a is one of the bigger hurdles, which is why everyone is different in terms of how quickly they get back into things. Um, And so yeah, I think it's a really typical experience that people have. And the reality is that everyone's experience is going to be kind of unique to them. Um, But I, um, yeah, I think the the you know noticing how your body has changed has been can be a big challenge or um, the logistics of that or just not feeling sexy or all of that stuff. And I think that rather than focusing on this idea of feeling sexy, I think it's easier to start feeling strong or capable or lovable or visible in this new role with this with this new body. And that may start with just you and yourself exploring your body in getting to know it and that may be um, feel more comfortable for your partner to help you with the exploration and that willingness to receive in this new space um, but this idea of like oh I can only have sex when I feel sexy um, creates kind of its own hurdle do you know and so mm-hmm. it's like well let's try to relate to the body as being strong and so maybe you go for like a walk by yourself to have that space and then you're like oh I feel strong and good in my body and that's more likely to 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 move into intimacy mm-hmm. I also I also joke about how women's bodies their their largest erogenous zone is their brain you know, and so there's there's a good reason why there's those those kind of jokey books about um, women porn, and that has like all these hunky people vacuuming or I love those books. I <laughs> do, but there's an element of truth to it. You know, is that um, particularly? You know, I always say that my husband and I were really, really never really realized that we were 
different genders until we had a, a baby. And then we really we started to notice the split in our work. We're like, oh, interesting. We always felt really equal in this relationship. And then we noticed ways in which we we assumed different roles in our relationship once we had the baby, our first baby. And so it was a it was an interesting way to examine that and say like, okay, I assumed that my work also included you know, doing the dishes or doing the laundry or whatever those whatever those things are. And now that I have this baby, I can't do them. Do you know? And so this idea of who's working and who's not working and how to separate the work so mom can feel supported and get into that space where she can make room for intimacy or connection and allowing herself to just not have to have this additional work beyond the baby or taking care of the baby in this newborn period. Do you know? And so when you... um her thinking about the road towards intimacy or connection or this feeling of sexiness, sometimes in some ways it's like, I'm going to, I would like to have sex tonight. So I'm going to kind of have flirty behavior with my partner all day. And maybe I'll help her by giving her some, like holding the baby while she takes a shower and shaves her legs or does whatever she wants to do or hold the baby while she takes a walk or do the dishes or make her dinner as a way to kind of woo her into this space of yeah, I feel kind of more open and less overwhelmed to intimacy. And I love love that word woo. I love that because it is. um, And it ties back to what you were saying at the beginning of the visual or auditory or kinetic overwhelm that, you know, that that mommy porn books work because not only is it like funny look, you know, oh, these hunks doing yeah. the vacuum, but by picking up yeah. and doing the vacuum, then a you don't have to, the vacuuming, you don't have to do it, and yeah. um, or stress about it, or worry about it, and gives you that space to relax. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Or have a minute to have your body just be your own. Um, yeah, there's some studies that show that men that do housework in a heterosexual relationship, that partners that do housework end up having more sex. And I think there's a truth to that, you know, that that um, just because they're, the women feel more supported to be able to make room for that intimacy in terms of how she views her role um, in the house or in the in her relationship to baby, the baby. You know, it's also, you know, a lot of I know a lot of moms that will read erotica or read romance novels. They're like, I never read no romance novels. And now I'm a new mom and I read romance novels. And they kind of get in the mood through stimulated through the brain. You know, it's like, are they they watch porn or something like that to sort of get them in the mood and like, huh, that sounds like a fun time. Maybe we'll try that out, you know, and then um, are just more stimulated through the brain first as they they need to kind of get to that space of quietness in the mind to be able to engage physically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is tough when you have a baby that's already on a like two to three hour schedule and like, let's talk about the lack of time factor. Yes, yes. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, you kind of, and there also, I mean, even the lack of time, I think a lot of couples mourn those experiences of long foreplay or in the bed for the morning or things. You lose those opportunities when you have the baby or the sleeping in and making love in the morning or staying up late to make love. Um, the, you know, baby time is definitely different than before baby time in terms of the logistics of that. Um, you know, uh, being playful, do you know what I mean? Like really being creative. 
and playful in terms of the opportunities that you have. You may have sex and, you know, if you were, your baby's sleeping in your room or bed sharing with you, you may start having sex in places that you never imagined before, just as an opportunity to have a minute away from the baby. Um, we always joke that babies are, our babies would always wake up just like a second right before the orgasm. I'm like, they all always know that's right before the <laughs> orgasm <laughs> i'm like okay you know and sometimes you're like i just let this baby cry for a minute while i finish my orgasm you know so um and that's fine babies are they will be fine but you know sometimes you just are quick at you you get better at kind of the quick intimacy and um just to have that connection and oxytocin transfer between you and your partner. My husband and I used to just lift our shirts in the kitchen and touch bellies. And we were like, okay, we just need to have some skin to skin between the two of us. Do you know? And the kid, we still do it. And the kids are like, what are you guys doing? It's like, we're having our skin to skin moment, you know, and just <laughs> being playful and silly about it and knowing that, um, you have a you have a chance to really redefine what intimacy and sex looks like in your relationship because you're challenged with lack of time and you know and, and challenges of new baby to create a new dialogue with your partner you know and so we take more showers together and you know as a, as an example of that or I know couples that will take a bath together they'll shave each other's bodies you know or as a way of like foreplay and like creating these small moments of intimacy and eroticism between the two of them rather than thinking of sex as always this like epic two-hour adventure or whatever that is you know mm. and so um yeah I've also had a, a number of people they hire a babysitter to take the baby out of the house do you know and it's like they hire like a mother's helper and say like okay you're gonna go out with a baby for two hours for a walk or to the park or whatever and so the parents then get to have the house to themselves to be able to really engage with each other again. And I like that being playful and maybe like even this idea of, of having a babysitter to take the baby out of the house for two hours, it can really, because you're, you're going to have so many interruptions and so many unexpected and you best laid plans and then baby did, did something. So yeah. having, you know, that you're like, have two hours, that's going to be pretty much your two hours um just releases already that gives you a sense of calm and takes away some pressure so that you can let go and get into the moment um be loud or you know what i mean or whatever yeah. <laughs> yeah, because exactly. i find and and finding different ways of of having intimacy and in that any initiation is not going to culminate in a penetration or orgasm or but it might just be like you were saying belly touching um because sometimes you can get in this pressure of like we're not having sex and we haven't had sex and and it's been this long and we haven't had sex and we need to go have sex and oh my god and it's not happening and that just becomes a huge monster that yeah. is making it harder to have sex yeah i would almost rather that people focus on we need to be intimate And that gives them so many different solutions to that need rather than we need to be sexual. Do you know? And like intimacy can include sexual behaviors for sure. Do you know? But you really created a space for creativity between the two of you in terms of how to feel connected. Because really at the base of it, that's what you're looking for. It's not just like, I mean, certainly the orgasm, but also that sense of connection, which is, you know, it's important to remember that your partner is lost a lot of connection, most likely in the arrival of your newborn. Do you know? And so creating that sense of intimacy and really labeling it as such and saying like, this is how we are out loud together, creating these spaces of intimacy together 
to weather this time where our baby has such high needs for our bodies, you know, in our time, which, it, you know, it goes away after a while. But really in the first couple of months, it really is a transition, to, a, a, an intensive time transition that happens. Mm-hmm. What about... Um... And, and and you so we're talking about usually the the roles fall into the mom is less prone to intimacy and feeling more overwhelmed overtouched um where yeah. parents are feel partners are feeling undertouched but what if it's the other way around where it's it's mom wants to have more intimacy intimacy and sex um and the, the partner doesn't yeah. And then I, and I, it, I think it's still the same is that is like, how can we create spaces of intimacy? You know, and I also think giving permission for each other to take care of your own sexual needs, you know, and saying like, okay, like masturbation is totally fine or, you know, or watching porn is fine or reading erotica is fine. And so to take the pressure off of either partner having to sit, perform in some way, do you know, like not, sex shouldn't be a body performance. It really is this dialogue between the two of you that communicates your love and your connection. And there's so many different ways to do that. But when we just have sex as the only way to do that, it becomes this performance piece of who's underperforming and who's overperforming. Do you know, and is my sex performance normal in this in the range of what everybody is doing you know because the answer is yes no matter what you're doing it is normal but if you if you redirect it towards intimacy connection laughter creativity communication it's much easier to weather any transitions that happen because babies aren't the only time in which your sexual lives are going to be in flux mm-hmm. i love that i i love that switch to of of intimacy and you know, not the performance and not to, to take it away from the, well, the, the, this hasn't happened or I've, I'm putting all this into it and you're not putting all, you know, you're not doing your part, quote, quote unquote, um, yeah. which can get really complicated and stressful. Mm-hmm. For sure. Mm-hmm. Kate, what other tips do you have for moms or anything else that they need to know in terms of sex after baby that we haven't touched upon? Um, seek out help, honestly. Like, I, I think if it's, if it's talking with um, a friend in a, si- a similar situation, I think so much of your new mothering experiences you learn from, through observation. And that also is true with relationships. You know, as a, as a partner and as a mom, I'm always kind of observing other people's experiences and just seeing like, huh, there's so much variation that's true in a lot of ways that, that frees me to allow myself to have my own experience without expectation. Do you know? But also, so it's good to have someone that you can talk to about it. I think it's also really um, uh, always a great idea to seek a counselor for transitions. You know, it doesn't mean that there's a catastrophe happening, but just a safe space for you to communicate about what's different. Or how you're how you need to be supported differently. Um, there are some really great counselors available to do that. I also think there's some really great books on um, babies or sex after children, or just uh, on sexuality, and and um, that are really great references to just see how normal, in fact, you are, to allow yourself to engage with support from where you're at, rather than having an expectation to be somewhere different. Mm-hmm. What are some of those books? What's your favorite? Uh, I- 
I love, there's uh, a book called Love in the Time of Colic. It's the new parent's <laughs> guide to getting it on. It's wonderful. It's a great book. Um, and there's another book called Come As You Are, which is the surprising new science that will transform your sex life. And um, that's by Emily Nagoski. And the um, Love in the Time of Colic is by Ian Kerner and Heidi Rakeel, I think is her name. And so they're just... Um, Great books on on sexuality. They're a bit heteronormative in terms of their approach, but I'm sure that queer couples will also find things that are useful in terms of just the hormonal transition and logistics and time and things like that. But they are they are written more for um, the straight couple, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Um. Those sound great, though. I'm very familiar with Love in the Time of Cholera. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So Ian Kerner also wrote this book called She Comes First, which is about female pleasure, do you know? And and his whole message is really not focusing on the orgasm, um, but more along the journey and the intimacy, do you know? And so um, as as a way to take off pressure for men to have to perform, but also women as well. So they're just really um, great support resources I think very awesome are there any websites or blogs or um, anything online that you recommend oh you know what I am sincerely lacking in those sites that's a good question I'm sure that there are I just have never I've always just reached towards the book I've not moved that direction in terms of online but there's you know I think anywhere people have an online forum for new parenthood is really a great source you know there's a number of um Ithaca-based ones that there's like Ithaca Mama and the things and there's certainly questions about relationships that come up in those in those spaces. So even kind of a a, a safe moms group that's well moderated and um, can be a really great resource for information, but also just like yeah, this is happening to me too, sort of experiences. Mm-hmm. And and for moms not to be afraid if they have a place where they they feel yeah. safe to go ahead and ask those questions because yeah. if they're thinking about it, then I'm sure lots of other moms are also wondering. Yes, yes. I mean, there's so in my own experience, there's so many times. You know, when you're with someone for a long time, you run into hurdles and you kind of get in these spaces. You're like, oh, my God, what did I do? Like, how how did I get myself here? You know, and a lot of the ways that makes me get out of that feeling of discontent or frustration within my relationships um, is to just honestly ask a best friend and have them be like, yeah, I feel that, too. And then it allows it to not be that major of a storm. And I can be like, okay, if this is normal, how do I help myself here rather than get worried about the fact that it's even happening in the first place? Right, because if it, it can be normal, but it doesn't mean you have to like it. And if you don't like it, you can do something to make it better. For sure. But at least you're not being stressed about being abnormal, which I think is a lot of new parenting stress is like, is this normal? It's like, yeah, it's normal. But now that you know it's normal, what do you need to have help in this situation? Absolutely. I love all this. Thank you so much. So if listeners want to get in touch with you or know more about what you're doing, um, ask you Mm -hmm. questions, what can they do? You can go to my website, which is um, holisticchildbirth.org, or you can email me at kate at holisticchildbirth.org. Um, you can also find me on Facebook, which is just Kate Dimple with Holistic Childbirth is the web is the holistic pa- or the web Facebook page. Mm-hmm. And I am going to put all that information and the and links to these books that you mentioned um, on the show notes. So 
even if you listen to an iTunes, go to birthful.com because you'll, uh, you'll have the information there uh, to link to Kate. And just so you know, her last name is spelled D-I-M-P-F-L. Um, yes. So she's got four consonants together, which is awesome. Those Germans don't really believe in vowels. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Love it. Kate, thank you so, so much for your time and all My your knowledge. Pleasure. This has been fun. Thank you. Mamas, I love to hear from you, so share with me your thoughts, and if there's a certain topic you'd like to know more about, let me know. Stay in touch by following Birthful on Facebook or Twitter, and even better, become a part of the Birthful community by subscribing at birthful.com. You'll get access to bonus episodes and other exclusive goodies. I'm Adriana Lozada. Please join me next week when I'll be talking to another maternity pro to inform your intuition here at the Birthful Podcast. Thanks so much for listening.